yeah, this is this is the first episode of Zero to Funded, um, a new interview series that we're doing here at Amicus, uh, basically focusing a, a little bit more around the people that are running startups that we're working with, um, rather than just like the companies themselves. Like, there's there's always a human story behind behind these companies that are really the the backbone of, of the whole tech industry. Really. Um, so our first guest, um, I'm pleased to introduce is um, is James from uh, from Boxstocks. Um, who are making some really interesting boxes, believe, <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not. But um, but yeah, do, do you want to want to give us a bit of an intro, James? Uh, yeah, so my name's James. Uh, I'm the co-founder here at Box Stocks, uh, along with Amajid and Alessandro, who are my my other co-founders. Uh, and I'm the the CTO of the company, so head up product, anything techy, anything engineering focused, um, everything that we're doing with with our products is kind of where I'm I'm based, um, and anything you kind of see um but yeah i mean at box what we're what we're doing is we're we're building a, a global network of data-driven logistics boxes um to give you some kind of context about what that means um right now on the planet there are about five billion plastic tote boxes in operation so these are like plastic tubs items go in there and they get shipped out um in in closed loop supply chains so anything physical you've ever bought has been through a tote box at some point within a supply chain um pharmaceuticals supermarkets so if you go to sainsbury's right now go look at their shelves they're all made from bare alarm crates yeah. um you, the, the curse of this company is you see one box you see you see them everywhere um but you know where the company started was uh, developing innovative hardware solutions that enabled customers to ship more sustainably well, to increase the amount they could ship in the same space. Um, so we, we had developed a patent pending uh, technology that enabled these boxes to fold um, within the existing kind of footprint of a supply chain. So it was, you, know, you could deploy our product immediately into a supply chain. Um, but where we're going now with the companies, we're also building out a whole suite of software tools um, and applications, as well as um, a bespoke chip, all designed around the box itself to track where it is, um, at what point within a supply chain, who has custodianship of that. And we can even detect now, like when a box is opened, who opened it, where it was opened, date, time, location, temperature, humidity. So um, essentially speaking, we're, we're mapping supply chains at uh, the granular unit level of the box. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of where we are and and yeah it's uh, we've made boxes cool <laughs> <laughs> nice nice uh, yeah i don't think there's many people that can actually say that so yeah, <laughs> yeah walk, nice. walk into a bar and tell someone that you make boxes for a living <laughs> and you, you get some odd looks <laughs> yeah definitely definitely um, so so i guess like um how how did you kind of get to this point then where where you, you're running this company like what how how would yeah. you get from a to b essentially like what, what's the story there yeah what what happened um was so i i was working for a logistics company based in richmond um and we were parking amazon's lorries and obviously my my background was in architecture so um uh, i was developing like all the cad plans the the visualizations the rendering the 3d models for for these strategy and the guy who was running the company um, just said, basically, got a mate who's got a business idea. Do you want to, you know, have a phone call with him? And maybe you can help him out with some of the CAD work. Yeah. Um, so that's how I, I, I first was introduced to Amajid, um a few years back. And, um, you know, he sold me the pitch at the height of COVID just on a Zoom call and just went, listen, two boxes, one half size, one full size, make a box that folds in half. 
Um, so we went out for about two weeks, just developing the product um, and just getting some initial something on the something on the paper, yep. get something out there, um, and then obviously got started working with Alessandro as well. So uh, Am and Ali go back many years uh, working across Europe. And so the three of us came together with kind of a, a rough idea and a vision for what this product could be. Um, and, and again, like I said, it's the height of COVID. Like this was like when the police were still on the streets and you weren't allowed to go outside. Uh, I had literally nothing else to do after finishing work. And so um, we came up with the, the first prototype and we, we got it 3D printed uh, down the road. Yeah. And we just went immediately straight to a customer and just put it straight in front of them um, and just said, uh, listen, this is what we're doing. You have this pain point, which is uh, you're packaging hundreds of thousands of boxes a day. The vast majority of them are empty because you know you, you're, you don't know how to manage what goes into which size of a box. Why don't you just buy ours? And they they turned around and said, "Listen, we love it." Um, you know, I've never seen a folding tote box before. <laughs> and then that's when we all sat down together and right, we need to have a company because clearly we're onto something. Yeah. We're clearly developing something that someone wants and we're addressing a, a pain point within the industry. Um, and then that, that conversation actually was also where the track and trace solution came in as well um, because of our conversations with these customers. So like I said, it, it started off in Zoom, um, you know, and very quickly getting in front of a customer and realizing that you would address them someone wanted meant that, okay, um, we need to set up a, a company and start working on this. And so we, we were probably developing, you know, we were, we were in stealth mode probably for about a year, like not telling anyone about what we were doing, developing the product, really kind of getting to grips with the industry, really trying to like tackle the issues and like really tease out what was needed to be designed and developed. You know, everything from like, how do you stack a box on a pallet and what pallet top goes on and how many pallets high, what's the weight distribution? Like every, you know, we, we went down to like, every different route um with the the hardware and then yeah probably about a year ago we we kind of came out of the woodwork and and you know then started trying to receive funding because obviously the company had got to a point where it's like right we need to quit our jobs now because this is either going to take off or it's just going to be an idea that's going to be shelved um so we we applied to loads and loads of like accelerator programs incubators uh got rejected from the vast majority of them but but tech stars who are they're the world's largest investor in early stage companies they're an american-based venture capital fund um and and coincidentally there's a there's a one of the analysts at the at the london-based branch of the fund was actually used to work in supply chain in south america and she was like, "Oh, I get, I get what you're doing. This is cool." <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we, we got our first our first check, which meant that we could all quit our jobs, pay ourselves, to, you know, just to just live, yeah. um, and then just kept building the company up in the background to kind of where we are now, um, receiving the second round of funding to actually go and launch to market. Um, but but it's been an exciting journey. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it. <laughs> So, like, I, I guess, like, when when you were trying to keep it under under wraps and in yeah. store, was that hard to do? Like, how did you actually go about that? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really weird because our our so our competitors are predominantly well, they, they are they're just plastic injection mold manufacturers. So they just make boxes. They don't do the logistics. So we we sell to logistics companies, Amazon, Hermes, DHL, FedEx, um, pharma companies. So we were very aware that um, our competitors, who are predominantly yeah, Europe-based German manufacturers, 
they're billions in revenue. And so we were very aware that if someone sniffed out what we were doing, um, you'd get eaten alive. Yeah. And so we we just tried as hard as we could to, um, at the time, I remember our websites, they told you everything and nothing at the same time. <laughs> and so it was just trying to keep it under wraps as long as possible. Obviously, we were all, as, at the time as well, full-time employed. Um, so it was also balancing work with extra work on the side. Um, and it was just like, you know, you know, we wouldn't post anything online. Uh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't talk to most people. We wouldn't talk to our competitors. Um, we'd speak to customers that we knew personally rather than through, you know, a third party introduction or a soft introduction from someone else. So we tried to keep it as, as tightly wrapped as possible, um, until we filed for our patent. And what we did was we filed a, a pre-patent first, which essentially speaking is just like market research. Um, our patent solicitor went out and basically looked on the market globally and went, right, what else is out there that's similar to this? Yeah. Uh, I think the only the only thing that came back was a, a folding camera. Um, and so we were like, okay, this is clearly innovative. And so we filed our patent. And then once we had that paid for, placed and filed, then we knew that we could speak to people with the level of protection that was needed um so yeah that, that's kind of our that was our strategy at the time um and we also found that a lot of customers wouldn't speak to us about the patent placed on it yeah. um it kind of just gave you that level of confidence that these guys are actually investing both time and money into what they're doing uh, and they understand that what they're doing is innovative because it's patentable so um we found with both investors as well as customers that 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 was one of the first questions that was asked at the very early days um of the of the company yeah yeah, no, no, fair enough. Like, yeah, it, it just seems like a, a massive task to, to keep something that that large. If you're dealing with yeah. like Amazon and, and Hermes and stuff like that, it seems like trying to keep something like that under wraps would be would be very difficult because Amazon yeah. they're not renowned for for letting small businesses succeed. While, yeah, yeah, yeah. While, the thing is, it's, it's really difficult it, so. because you, 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 like in the early days of any company, one of the one of the, the, the kind of the drawbacks a lot of startups get themselves into is they go and build a product or a service that they have never actually gone to their customers and actually understood the industry. Yeah. So they think they think they know what they want, but they've never actually gone to the customer and say, okay, can you explain to me your pain points? Yeah. And so with us, it was that awkward catch 22 of like, we need to get in front of as many different customers from as many different touch points within a supply chain. Because obviously every different industry of a supply chain is very different. So grocery, pharma, um, e-commerce, spare parts and automotive, they all have their different industry in, like, you know, problems. Yeah. Um, so it was, how do you get in front of as many people as possible with, with the confidence that you can speak freely about what you're doing without them going off and telling their, their <laughs> manufacturer and say, oh, by the way, there's these three lads who are trying to, trying to take yeah. you out of business. Yeah. Um, so it is, yeah, it was, it was relatively difficult. Um, however, my friends found it hilarious because I went to architecture school for seven years. And they went, after all of that, you're making a folding box. <laughs> well, it's one of them, isn't it? Like one, once you've made your millions, you can go back to architects. <laughs> yeah, go back, go back and build, 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 build skyscrapers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, so so I guess like when when you came to the point where it was like, oh God, this is this is really happening. Like we've we've got something that that's tangible here and people are interested in. And yeah, you made that decision to to kind of quit your job and go out and do yeah. that. 
What was your thought process there? Because that, that's not a, a light decision to make, is it? No. Was it a difficult decision in the end? Or like, what, yeah, what was it? Um, to be honest, by the time that we had all left our jobs, I think it was like the natural progression anyway. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I would definitely recommend that if you're going to start a company, please do not quit your job on the first day of your <laughs> idea. Like, it's a really, really unwise decision to make. I think, you know, keep your job for long as possible because obviously it's going to, it's going to see whether you're actually passionate about your startup if you're willing to go home and work on it seven days a week all weekend yeah um so i think that's you know one of the things i would say but for, for us I, you know i can't speak on behalf of alessandra and amajid personally but we're all we're all people who want to work for ourselves so i think um as i said to you on the, the intro called couple week, uh, last week it's like for me personally i've always wanted to start my own company yeah. um there's nothing wrong working for someone but i just i can't i can't get my head around seeing someone else's name on the front door <laughs> and so for for us as well with the product because we'd already got some pretty good feedback from customers and the right kind of um incentive to go and build something knowing that it, it would work or someone would write a check for it yeah. that as a result the idea of jumping ship and going to start your own company was was quite a natural progression yeah. um so to be honest with you there wasn't any in you know point where i was like oh god this is really scary um it felt like the natural progression and obviously it did help that we had the first round of, of pre-seed investment in which which enabled us just to pay rent um so you know that you're not going to get kicked out any any particular time <laughs> yeah. yeah fair enough fair enough um so I, I guess like what whilst you were working those those two jobs so you've got you've got on one side you've got your startup that you're trying to get off the ground yeah. and on the other you, you're working what i presume is like a nine to five yeah like, yeah yeah how how do you actually balance that like what <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you don't you don't. <laughs> you don't balance it at all there is no such right. thing as balance um <laughs> I yeah it's um so yeah so my background was in architecture now if anyone knows anyone who works in architecture it's predominantly just extremely long working days right. so um I, I'm based in London and my old office was down in East London and the the contracted days were 8 a.m start 7 p.m finish that's before overtime and so um yeah you'd, you'd I'd get home probably like nine nine at night and then probably work maybe three three hours every night like into like one one in the morning like i'm just working on the startup and obviously you know for us there's quite a lot of work just to get the first cad model out yeah. um everything from like laser scanning the the competitors boxes to understanding measurements of how these are built um draft angles for injection molding to, to, to really get the first prototype you know looking pretty complete um those those initial sort of four months were pretty grueling because obviously you know the weekends become that two two day window of just like free work just to really crack on with what you're building um i i i used to then get home and obviously at the time i didn't have um a pc capable of doing some of the rendering and modeling that we needed so i'd have to then log into the work server at the middle of the night and then do all my modeling on the work server and then bring it off the work server onto my personal laptop and then try to cover up any trace that i was there um so you, you know to be honest with you you find any workaround that is needed um listen i think the thing is i think with a lot of founders it's like if you're passionate about what you're doing the idea works, the customer wants it, you'll, you'll find any any which way to make it work. Yeah. And I, I, I can't remember I was having a conversation with this week, but I do think in the, the early stages of a startup, um, that intensity is really important. 
I think it, it really shows and comes through with, you know, are you are you genuinely enthusiastic about building this? Um, and are you willing to put the, the long nights in? Because you're going to have to go through that. And you're going to have to put your social life, your family life, your gym life behind you. If, if, if you want to get this off the ground and from that zero to one phase, it is really hard because you have no momentum, you have no policy, you have no structure, you have nothing. Yeah. Um, so the only thing that you do have is, is your expertise, which is why you went into that, into that business and time and you just, you just have to graft it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so you've gone from zero to one now you're at one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're at, we're at one now. <laughs> you're at one. Yeah. So you're off the line. Like what, what's the plan moving forwards then? Like what, what have you got in the pipeline now? Yeah. So where we are today um we've so we're, we're raising uh, a pre-seed round um over it was more of an extension of what we, we we had from Techstars. um we've already received the first tranche of that investment from the british design fund yep. and what we're doing with that now is we are gearing up to launch the the folding box to manufacture so tooling um, and getting all the hardware elements of the product ready um we have uh We've got the um, hardware and chip designing team in place. So we are testing and going through the motions now of finalizing um, our, our novel chip for the boxes, all designed around the tote. Um, and we have a, a software team building um, iOS, Android apps with an SDK kit for integrating into all the existing infrastructure within logistics already. Yeah. Uh, and the dashboards, both admin and, and super admin for our customers. Um, so we're looking to launch by the end of September, October this year with version one of the track and trace platform. Um, by the end of the year, December, January, uh, we're looking to then launch version two, which is the full passive track, Bluetooth tags and chips. And then by about March next year, the tooling should be complete that we then launch with version three, which is software plus, uh, passive trackers plus foldable innovative boxes as well as one kind of package um and so we've already got the first couple of customers on board um lined up to work with uh, which is really exciting um and we're bringing them on as early as possible so that actually we can customize our software as best suited to their needs um so that they get as much out from it as possible um and then it's just next year it's just sales custom uh, building that pipeline up getting people on your books um Get proving to both investors but to other customers listen you know what we do works get those metrics on board which is how many boxes are you tracking how many boxes can you reduce being lost um how how long does your box last in comparison to competitors all the all the different features what are your cost savings of fuel because our boxes are lighter all of these different features that we can then add into our pipeline to really get this thing going um and then as a startup you know the 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 end goal is obviously expanding out to Europe and the US. Yeah. So we're in we're in America next year quite a bit, uh, which is exciting and just kind of getting going as much as possible. Yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> um so I, I presume like with um with with kind of like the the news at the minute obviously it's, uh, actually I was reading a headline before we come we came on this call like about global warming not being global warming anymore it's global boiling now <laughs> yeah yeah it's like right away global warming now scary <laughs> thought but um like I, I presume like that's that's kind of been a, a point and like a, at the forefront of, of what you guys yeah. are doing as well because like it, it saves a lot of space in transport and it's going to be yeah 
reduce the amount of people that's transporting about like how how have you tried to yeah like but what actually is the scope for that in the industry i guess yeah yeah i mean supply chains themselves are extremely complicated and large things um that involve farm uh, you know i think a lot of people in the general public really have very little understanding of what a supply chain is um and it is going to be a mammoth task to decarbonize and pivot a lot of these supply chains because they're so established because they're so large the sheer volume of different you know companies that work just to get your parcel from a to b um but they're i mean within the industry is all they're talking about um in terms of kind of what our offerings are and you know what we're bringing to the industry the the initial kind of point of penetration to the market was was around the plastic tote boxes now there are five billion of them out there um with an average churn rate of between 10 to 20 percent so every cut every year a customer will lose 10 to 20 percent of their their inventory just through breakage loss damage etc and all of those and not only are they 10 pounds a box each um but it's plastic and it's waste and it's going everywhere so with the, the track and trace element, there's a whole sustainability push, which is visualize where your box is, reduce theft, and and visualize accountability of ever who had that box. So you can actually find your boxes and say, well, listen, you know, that pharmacy had 10 boxes. They have not returned it. So I'm going to go and get them yeah. because they're not his. Um, so there is that element of things. In terms of our in terms of the hardware element of our products, I mean, our box is 10% lighter than our lead competitor. Which, okay, granted, it's, you know, a box that weighs about a kilo, kilo in plastic. But um, when you start to scale that over a whole fleet, so, for example, an average an average logistics customer in the UK has about half a million totes right now. Um, you're saving a, an absolute huge amount of plastic yeah. um, in, just, in just material costs. But then when you put in the back of a truck, you're saving weight, which for petrol cars, you're saving, obviously, uh, you know, gallons of fuel. But... Um, it's up to one gallon of fuel per day per van is what we've modeled to save on an average kind of delivery route. But for EVs, EVs are very susceptible to weight changes. So you can extend the range of an EV fleet. Um, and then, you know, in terms of the product itself, the reason why our website, everything's black is when you buy recycled plastic, it comes in a black color. So we've, we've got box stocks black, which there has no synthetic dyes, resins, glues that goes into coloring the box. So you can only have box stocks black um and it's tax it's tax exempt because of its sustainability element um which is a, a uk policy plastic tax that you have to abide by now um or you pay a premium to a virgin polypropylene plastic right. um so yeah our offerings with the sustainability space is it, there's, there's many different kind of offerings that we provide you know from the simple just switch to uh, recycle plastics um but also with the, the software element it's a very very um direct saving which is reduce the amount that you're losing nice nice well making boxes interesting and saving the planet then like <laughs> that's it that's say you completed it like it's, it's done and you've it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. now our next our next challenge is cardboard that's the yeah. next that's the next phase which is a completely different challenge and far more wasteful um the, the thing is about totes is the industry is is slowly switching to plastic totes because a plastic tote box will last between eight to twenty years um, if you if you treat them well. Um, whereas cardboard is single use, and as well, pharma companies are predominantly at the moment using cardboard and shrink wrap because it's single use, it's clean, yeah. but you can't wipe it. Whereas tote boxes you can wash. So the industry is gradually moving towards totes because 
the unit saving over its lifetime is, is much better. But from a sustainability angle, you're not binning half your half your stock yeah. of plas of plastic um, shrink wrap and cardboard every time you ship something. So it's a really interesting space to be in. Yeah. Um, and hopefully we're trying to kind of bring a bit more, shed a bit more light into what a supply chain is because so few people interact with a supply chain other than answering the doorbell when your Amazon parcel turns up. <laughs> yeah well that's it is it like it's like that with a lot of industries where where when you actually find out a little bit more about it that there's there's hundreds and hundreds of steps in this chain that from, yeah from me ordering something on on amazon and it comes yeah the next day there's yeah. a thousand different things that all yeah. happen in that space and and in a really short space of time so time yeah i think it i think it's fascinating um but yeah that, it's, it's something that you don't tend to think about it's just no now i need it now <laughs> yeah yeah the but. thing is we always said to people it's like um if i were to switch the lights off tomorrow and turn the servers off and your your facebook app doesn't work very little is going to change but if tomorrow I took all the plastic totes out of circulation, yeah. the supermarkets would be empty. You'd have no drugs or pharmacy products. You'd have no e-commerce. Like you would, within a day, you would know that something's really, really wrong. Yeah. And so, um, you know, for us, we're working within an industry which you know is always going to be there, and it's and and logistics is always at scale because you 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 can't run a supply chain with two boxes. Yeah. You know, you need hundreds of thousands, if not millions, for this thing to work. So. Um, it's a very undervalued and underloved product that, that needs that needs a bit of bit of love. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate you, you kind of coming and being a part of this. Like, um, yeah, no worries. I'm getting else will agree, but, <laughs> but yeah. Um, okay, cool. Right. Well, uh, coming up on on the next one. Um, yeah, we we've got somebody from another microchip company <laughs> um but yeah that, I'll, I'll be sure to post stuff about that coming up as well but um but yeah i think that's that's it for now and thank you if you're still watching at this point <laughs> yeah no worries thank you thank, thank you <laughs>